Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Rhodey. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast special. Today, we're going to be taking the political compass test. We're going to be looking at the questions, talking about the questions, and answering the questions. We hope that you enjoy. So the first question is on page one of six. This is going to be a six-part series, so it's going to be a bit uh, long. But don't worry, it's going to be a lot of content, So, and we'll release it uh, with that in mind. So you'll have something to listen to on your long drive to work. All right, let's just dive right into it. Yeah, let's do it. If uh, economic globalization is inevitable, it should primarily serve humanity rather than the interests of transnational corporations. Um. I mean, yeah. I just, I just hate the, I hate the, the premise of it. It's like you have to assume that economic globalization is inevitable. But I guess under the assumption, I would have to agree. I don't think it should always serve humanity because the reality is companies do need to make money, and and many times when companies are making money, it also serves us well. And I don't like the idea of this kind of assumption that a company is not necessarily serving humanity if it's also serving its own interests. But I would I would I guess I would agree, not strongly agree, but I would agree. Do you yeah. do you disagree with that? Or? No, I also agree. Like, oh, it's unfortunate they don't give the option for like neutral. It's all it's either agree or disagree. But I mean, I don't strongly agree with it, but I mean, I agree with it that um, you know, if it is inevitable that um it should serve, you know, humanity other than transnational corporations. Obviously, it's more complex than, you know, just that. But, uh, yeah, I do agree with uh, your statement. Fair enough. All right, so I'll read the next question. I'd always support my country whether it was right or wrong. Strongly agree. And this is, by the way, with the caveat that just because I support my country doesn't mean I always agree with it. I can support my country and also say what it's doing is wrong. But I'd always support my country. I don't think I'd ever betray my country or do something like, I don't know, say, you know that organization, um, Breaking the Silence? I don't think they support their country. I think they're a bunch of traitors. But short of that, I, I strongly agree with that. One should serve their one should support your, their country. That's the right thing to do, uh, patriotism and all that. If you don't like your country. Whether they were doing the right or wrong thing, what if they were committing genocide? <laughs> I mean, like, would you want to support your country if they were doing that? No. Right. So even then, if I had to oppose my country, which, by the way, you can argue I'm doing right now, right? So in Israel, for example, we have these very, very heavy mask laws, and we, we're, we're kind of under the jackboot of this very uh, authoritarian state. Uh, I still support Israel. It's not about whether I support or I don't support. I, I just don't agree with what they're doing, but I still support them. Like, if they wanted me to go to war for something that I think was right, I'd do it. But if I thought it was wrong, I, my support for the country would be to fight against the war. Um, similarly here, I think it would be better for the country if it didn't have these rules, and so therefore I oppose them. But I always support my country. Uh-huh. For those of you that didn't know, um, Luke is uh, in Israel, so that's why uh, he's... Uh talking about that um does support i, I mean i guess su does support necessarily mean you know i guess it doesn't necessarily mean betray i guess but like i mean well i mean you can't betray your country 
if you're supporting your country. If you betray your country, by definition, it means that you're not supporting it. You can make the argument that support doesn't mean blindly follow the government. You can make that argument, and that's the argument I'm making. So you're saying you sh- you strongly agree, you're saying? I strongly agree. You don't have to, by the way. We, we, we're... Just to be clear, we don't have to agree on this. We're just discussing it. We're using these questions as a springboard for discussion. And then we're free to disagree at the end. So if you don't agree with the premise, if you think the question means something else, you're free to do that. That's entirely up to you. Yeah, so I'm going to disagree. All right, fair enough. Um, No one chooses their country of birth, so it's foolish to be proud of it. Uh, Strongly disagree. Um, and to be clear, this is not about to say you should always be proud of your country, but rather that being proud of your country doesn't mean like, oh, I'm from this country and our country is better than all the other countries. So screw those other countries, even though that's, that's how I am sometimes, but, uh, it's still good to be proud of your country in, in general, but, uh, I'm open to having my mind changed in that regard. Yeah, change your mind. Go put out a sign. Yeah. Sit out there and uh, <laughs> change my mind. <laughs> no one chooses their country of birth, so uh, no one chooses their country of birth. But you should be proud of it, anyways. Change my mind. <laughs> um, I mean, no one chooses their country of birth, so it's foolish to be proud of it. I mean, I guess I would disagree with that because, um. No one chooses their country of birth, so it's foolish to be proud of it. Sorry, I'm still trying to understand the question. <laughs> um, so uh, it's if you want to explain what it kind of so no one chooses their country of birth, so so it's foolish to be proud of it. Uh, shoot. I mean, the way I see it, and you don't have to agree with that, is that that what the question is saying or what the prompt is saying is that since you didn't choose your country of birth. You shouldn't be going around and, I don't know, waving the flag or, I don't know, like, there, there, there are certain things that we do that are not really, there's no real, like, utilitarian reason for it. It's more just because we're happy to be a, a citizen of the country. So, for example, when an American goes and he puts his hand on his heart and he says the Pledge of Allegiance and he's being proud of his country... Uh, I guess the prompt of this question would imply that he's being a very foolish person. I I strong yeah, no, I strongly disagree with that. I agree. Yeah. So I mean, I dis I don't strongly disagree, but I do disagree because I mean, I also believe it's like just because you weren't born there doesn't mean you can't be proud of it. Or you weren't. Uh, like, it's or not. Or to be more specific, you didn't choose to be born. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't my choice to be born. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, for example, you could be proud of, you know, being in other countries, you know, even if you, let's say you immigrated to another country, you can't be proud of that country if you weren't born there. That's a very good point, actually. You know, if you can be proud of a country you immigrate to, then theoretically you could be proud of a country you were born in. That's, uh, I I don't, I, the logic stands. Um, okay. <laughs> the logic stands. Like for example, like you're you're in Israel right now, so it's like you could be proud of you know Israel, but like you know you weren't born there. Yeah. Um, so I I can so. I can definitely I see the logic. Anyway, so why don't you read the next question? Um. So our race has many superior qualities compared with other races. Um. I'm going to say, 
Um, I'm going to say disagree um, because, you know, uh, you know, there's no really, I mean, there might be like physical, like, you know, um, qualities that might be superior, like, I don't know, um, either like running or like uh, jumping because, you know, I guess evolution, I would say, you know, developed people in different regions, you know, to survive in different ways. So um, maybe like I would say like, uh, I don't know, um, for example, when um, I don't know, in, in the Olympics, I mean, you see all the people. Yeah, like every single are, person who ri- who wins like these running races, they're all like they're from, like, Africa. Africa or Jamaica. Yeah. Or. Um, it's the same thing, by the way, with of... it's the same thing with the paratrooper uh, uh, tryout in Israel. Every guy who wins the the race uh, when they do the races, at the yes, race, they're it's always Ethiopian. Always an Ethiopian. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I would have to disagree too. Um, yeah, I could see um, that. But like, I don't. I just don't know what. It's very broad the question. So I mean, I would say I would disagree because I think what it's asking is like you know like. I don't know, like, oh, do we think, you know, we're better, so, like, you know, should, you know, do bad things to them or something. That's what I think it's trying to get at. So I would, you know, disagree with that. I think it's important that when you read these questions, you can't read too much into them uh, unless it's not being, like, don't read something into it that it's not. Only read something into it if it's not clear, right? But here it seems to be that it, it's not it's not implying one is better than the other therefore something should happen it's just more saying oh you know my my race is this and therefore we do certain things better than other races um i just i disagree simply because um jews are very good at being lactose intolerant so i'm not you know i'm not proud of that so <laughs> um so that's why i have to disagree well, um, I'm not lactose intolerant. <laughs> I know I'm not lactose intolerant either, but apparently a lot of Jews are. There's like this. Uh, there's a lot of memes about that. But uh, in any case, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, I'm gonna have to disagree strongly. Um, really? Yes. I agree. So uh, I'll I'll let you explain in a second. I see when it comes to. When it comes to practical wisdom, I could see why people think that. But I think that in politics, we've proven that that's simply not correct. Um, when it comes to uh, certain people, um, like on the far left of the spectrum, and when they end up sometimes agreeing with the right, they never they never kind of make up and be friends. Because I think there are a lot of people that know just because someone agrees with you on an issue doesn't mean that you have the same goals. Similarly, in international politics, you might have two different countries that are on the same side of a singular issue, but they're not friends, right? And they're not – their goal is not the same thing, right? So in, in practical knowledge, let's say the United States goes into Afghanistan, right? And so what happens – third time. I know, right? <laughs> And uh, and they go and they invade, and now all of a sudden they hired this one group of weirdos to police the country, which is which is what happened, you know, up until recently. You had a bunch of troops who noticed that the people in charge of Afghanistan, they would uh, they would go and they would, you know, do 
very, very terrible things to little boys. And I don't want to be friends with those types of people. You know, I, I'm not just because they're on the same page on a on a geopolitical uh, arena doesn't mean I really want to be their friend. And I, I really don't want to work with them. So it, when it comes to Afghanistan, for example, if the choice is between people who sleep with little girls and people who sleep with little boys, I'd prefer to just get out. I, I don't really care to deal with that. Um, but you're free to disagree with me if you want. Yes, but like if – I mean the reason I disagree is because if you guys have a common enemy, you know, it's better to work t together than, you know, separate because – I mean, yeah, you might not like it that, you know, they're, they're doing these bad things. But, you know, if when push comes to shove, like if you're dealing with an enemy that's too great, you know, you might not have a choice and you might like, you know, you need to team up because you need that extra, you know, power in order to defeat them. Uh, you know, for example, going back to international um, politics, I mean, you were talking about different countries. I mean, um, Israel did that with the UAE. I mean, the reason why they began... Uh, you know, peace talks was because of, you know, they have a common enemy of Iran. So, I mean, I would say that, yeah, you could be friends. And, you know, even even if you guys were enemies at first, you know, because you have a con common enemy, you know, you can learn to, you know, become friends. Um, I mean... I mean, going back to what you were saying, you know, I guess if they were doing, a, like, very bad things, like, you know, sleeping with little boys or little girls, I mean... I mean, I guess in in that scenario, I guess once the common enemy, you know, is gone, then yeah, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want to be friends with them. But I mean, I just feel like this question is more is it's a it's you're being very specific when you're talking about, you know, that's that's like a very individual, very specific kind of person. I feel like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend is a very broader and much uh you know, bigger, uh, it's like bigger than yourself kind of, uh, you know, scenario. Um, that's why I agree that, like, you know, your enemy, of my enemy is my friend. Fair enough. All right. So the next one, do you want to read the next one? Uh, yeah. So um, military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. Um, I mean, this is going to be hard to answer because I don't know all the international laws. So I don't know what's considered, you know, you know, defying them or not. And also, I mean, just because it's international law doesn't, you know, not all laws created equal. So it's like, yeah, you know, maybe dropping a nuke on a country is, you know, um, is like defies international law. But I mean, another international law I know is like shooting um, like paratroopers, like out of the sky. Like you're not allowed to do that, but like, you know, it's warfare. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're not supposed to be playing fair. It's, it's war. I mean, you're, it's not a board game where you just be like, okay guys, we're, there are rules and we want to play nice here. It's like, no, you're at war and you need to do what you can to, you know, defeat the enemy. And I mean, this is going to sound a little like extreme, but like, you know, going back to like the U.S., like the U.S. a lot of times want wants to, you know, fix up countries and they want to um, they want to fix countries up, you know, change them into a democracy. Nation and stuff building. Like that. Nation building. That's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, nation building. And, you know, that will never really work. The only time it ever worked was with Japan. 
And the reason why is it worked is because they dropped like two nukes and they like decimated their entire population. You can't really change. It's, it's like in order to build up, you need to like build, like destroy. And I know as bad as it sounds, like the only way you can really like, you know, build up a nation is by like destroying it completely, um, which is, I mean, yes, it's a radical viewpoint, but if, if that's your goal, I don't see it happening in any other way because then you're just going to end up with the scenario that happened in Afghanistan where it's like, yeah, you know, you're just, you're just keeping the status quo. And if you're just keeping the status quo, you're not getting anything done. Um, if that's the point of military action. So, I mean, as much as, I mean, you know, I don't like destroying populations. Um, but I mean, if, if you have a goal in mind, um, I feel that's the only way um, to uh, to be successful with that goal in, in in American terms, you know, nation building, if that's what they want to do. So I do agree um, that defying international law is uh, sometimes justified. Um, strongly agree. I don't know. I, I, I'm still confused about both of them. I don't really know the difference, so much difference, but I would say I agree. So I actually took yeah. two different international law classes. So I know a lot more about international law than, say, a lot of people do. Uh, most people, I actually don't know how many people know international law, but international law works a little differently than regular law for very obvious reasons because a lot of it has to do with norms and uh, pressure. So, for example, um, most of the time in international law – well, international law is really two things. It's norms and treaties. That's what international law is. There, because there's no police force that enforces international law, most people – or rather, let me, let me backtrack. Because there's no police force that enforces international law, a lot of the times it's the different countries arguing over what international law is. So – that being said, be, what, what that ends up becoming sometimes is a tug of war between big countries that have the political and military ability to enforce international law. So you'll see many times that the United States will use international law and they'll say, oh, you can't do that. That's against international law. And China will do the same thing. But in, what, in reality, what they're saying is, is I don't like that you did that and it happens to go with international law because – You'll see this in like The Hague, for example, where the United States doesn't really cooperate with The Hague. Um, the Hague is the – the I believe it's the ICC. Let me just double check. I'm pretty sure it's the ICC, The Hague. Um, let me just double check. I don't remember. I always, I always forget whether it's the ICJ or the ICC. Um, in, oh, it's the ICJ, the International Court of Justice. So that's in The Hague. So they, they many times they don't like to cooperate with the ICJ. Uh, so that's, but it's, it's not about, at that point, it's not that there's a single, there is a single co codified or not really, there are laws in international law, but then ultimately it's enforcement is based on whether these big countries want to enforce the law or not, or if they disagree with the law. Um, but furthermore, you have to understand that international law was written with certain things in mind. So, for example, what a lot of people don't know is that international law, when it comes to warfare, only really applies to countries that have a formal military. So, what, what, what in theory the laws are supposed to do is it was supposed to reward countries for fighting with a military with certain protections. 
So if you wear a uniform and you fly a flag and you have a coat of arms, what it's supposed to do is supposed it's supposed to say, okay, so right now there's a war between the United States and Canada, right? Well, there are two official militaries that do official military things and they follow a book of rules. So therefore, you can't do certain things. But if let's say there's a, a, a faction in the United States that is, I don't know, killing civilians, blowing up buildings, things like that military law mil, um or rather international law doesn't really apply to them so you see for example a lot of people all over the world are saying oh you're violating the 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 rules of war when it comes to this or such and such terrorist organization but the reality is is that never applies to them in the first place and it can't apply to them because otherwise it encourages that behavior right if if terrorist organizations know that let's say uh an official military won't do certain things to a terrorist, they're going to continue being um, terrorists and derelicts and that type of thing. And international law in its inception was supposed to um, prevent or not, not necessarily prevent, but more mitigate those types of things. Um, but what we've seen is that more warfare is taking place as proxy war. So this country will take that organization and fight against that organization, which represents that country. Um, you'll see it both when it comes to terrorist organizations, and there's also military contractor companies that that work for the United States. We're going to see soon that a lot of the 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 warfare that takes place on the ground is going to be taking place with these people. That being said, because of the way international law is codified and how it's not really law, it's not really set in stone, and it really has to do more with the people who who enforce these laws, namely the big countries. I definitely agree that military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. So strongly agree. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, what people don't realize is, like, these laws were made by the winners. Like, you know, these international laws are made by the big countries who were, like, you know, winners of, like, World War II. And, you know, what was considered, you know, a war crime or, you know, what was considered, uh, you know— uh, you know, bad, you know, warfare, you know, I guess not playing fair um, is, uh, I mean, wouldn't be, they wouldn't be affected because they're the ones that make the rules. Right. So, so it, I guess what, it, I guess it could be summed up like this. International law was supposed to create a, a set of rules that if other countries wanted to join this kind of group of civilized nations, they would have to follow those rules. But what it ended up doing was dragging a lot of these nations into the muck of some of these countries that don't follow these rules. Um, and you could tell it's very – I hate to use words like this, but Eurocentric. And I mean that in in a very simple way, in, in a very tangible way in the sense that many, many countries that aren't European and don't have European values, don't have these kind of values that originated in the – um, in the Fertile Crescent back in Mesopotamia, if they don't have those values, they're not going to fight that way. So it ended up just dragging us into these wars that just don't... Like, now we're fighting a lot of terrorists, and because, you know, countries agreed to these tactics, we've forgotten that, oh, international law doesn't really apply to, say, Al-Qaeda or ISIS or whatever. Um, so anyways, uh, I'm going to read the last... I, mean, I, think it only I think it only applies to countries that are part of the Union, no? Yeah, it, it applies – well, not part of the union. That that implies something else. But it, yeah, it, it implies – The UN. Sorry. Well, it applies yeah. to countries that signed by the Geneva Conventions. So if you if you are a signator of the Geneva Conventions and you hold by the Geneva Conventions, then you, you are subject to those rules. But you also benefit from those rules 
But groups like Hamas and Hezbollah are not party to the Geneva Conventions. They don't follow the Geneva Conventions, and therefore um, all things are on the table. But I think – but the reason I said all that is because it's important to understand that just because it doesn't – just because someone on CNN or Fox News or whatever it is says that a, a, an act does violate international law doesn't mean it does. Most people don't know the difference between international law and not international law. They think just – they, they assume that if someone with a suit and tie comes on the television and says, oh, it's a violation of international law, therefore it's a violation of international law. That's simply not the case. That being said, I can understand why a military action that defies international law is sometimes justified because ultimately ultimately, the reality is is that sometimes you need to win a war, like you said, and many times you need to go uh, full nuclear on these people if you want to win a war, if you don't want it to, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say full nu- nuclear, but I would say, you know, above and beyond a little bit or, you know, you need to do what you need to do. <laughs> right. Right. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, it's it's more just it. it's more just a reality of if you see someone's not playing by the rules, you may also not have to play by the rules. Your opponent gets a say in how the war is fought. And if your opponent is necessarily and if your opponent is violating violating international law, then you by definition have to as well. Otherwise. You're not going to get anywhere. Um, and that goes with everything. You should never fight less dirty than your enemy. The only unfair fight is a fight you lose. Um, okay, so this is the last question, and then we're going to... Wait, so would you say you sh- agree or strongly agree? I strongly agree. I strongly agree. Oh, you strongly agree. I strongly agree because the the set, the set prompt itself is also very wishy-washy because it says is sometimes. It doesn't say it's always justified. If he said always justified, yeah. I would disagree because I don't think it's always justified. Uh-huh. I think it's sometimes justified. And yeah. when you qualify it with that, I strongly agree because sometimes it can be justified. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. I strongly agree that yeah. sometimes it can be justified. So, so I would – Yeah. Yeah, I would also strongly agree then. Yeah. All right, great. A lot of it, nice. a lot of it also has to do with the way the question's worded. So I, I might choose agree or strongly agree or for that matter disagree or strongly disagree based on the way the – based on the way the prompt is. So if the prompt is in itself a maybe and and leaves room for the nuance, then I might strongly agree because I agree with the nuance. But if the if the prompt is not very nuanced, then I might only agree, I might disagree, depending on what I think. Um, so I'm gonna read the last question and we're gonna this is gonna be the last question for the day. We're gonna we're gonna do the next parts a different time. There is now a worrying fusion of inf- information and entertainment. I think I agree with this. So wait I don't really understand the question fully, so you know, can you first explain it? So I'm going to explain it as follows. Um, there's a lot of shows nowadays, including ours, by the way, that they're fun to listen to. They are entertainment, but they're also informative. And and I guess the 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 idea is is that you don't want too much of this fusion because. It dumbs down information and it creates a, a kind of entertainment that thinks it's more than what it is. I that's what I'm reading from it. But I guess if you wanted to read the question more broadly, it would just be it's a problem that information and entertainment are are fusing in the way that they are. So for example, when I was a kid, I used to watch The Daily Show and The Colbert Report back when Stephen Colbert was not the cringe monster that he is today. Um, with the, the vaccine. Oh, God, I wanted to kill myself. Um, <laughs> but there is uh, – basically he would do like a, a quote-unquote news show that was that was more of a comedy bit, a late-night show. 
And uh, you see this nowadays also with a lot of these late night shows. They they talk about politics too much and they um, they sit there and they pontificate on big issues when these people obviously are not in the position to do so. Um, as for whether I agree or strongly agree or disagree or strongly disagree, I would have to say I agree. I don't think it's a problem in and of itself that information and entertainment are going hand in hand. I think it's more that the people who are doing this are very irresponsible and they're – it's just it's just dumb content. I think if you do it right, then it's fine. Um, but yeah. So you're not worried that um, that fusion information? No, I am worried. Sorry, fusion. No, I. You are worried. I am worried. I said I agree. I don't strongly agree, but I I do agree because it is worry. It's not worrying to the concept is not a problem to me. I think it's very good if yeah. if people are watching an information channel and they're not bored to tears. I don't think you should have to be bored to tears when learning new things. I think it's very good to learn new things. Well, I think it, it depends on the information. Like what information are they talking about? Are they talking about like, I don't know, math problems? Like, I don't know, like in these kids shows, or are they talking about like politics specific? No, they're talking I, because I think they're talking about politics in this instance. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. They don't say, <laughs> but I mean, if they are talking about politics, I would, you know, I would be worried, and I don't think, you know, politics, um, like, should be in entertainment. You don't. So many times, I, like, if it's like part of the, it, what really bothers me, if it's like part of the story, and they kind of like, you know, and it's not obvious that they're trying to shove it down your throat, then like, I don't mind. But like, I hate it when they, you know, just like when they just shove these issues just down your throat, it's like, dude, I just want to like, you know, I'm trying to watch this show to get away from the world. Not to, not to like, <laughs> not to like, you know, still be in the world. And, you know, it kind of just like, why it's, it's really cringy. And there are a lot more shows that are doing that like nowadays. And it's just really annoying. And I just, you know, don't have a desire to watch those shows because it's just like, it's just not necessary. But like for example, like I don't know, if if it was um part of the storyline in terms of like you know, that wasn't obvious that they were like, you know, really trying to like hammer, you know, the the lesson, you know, down like, oh, there's this problem and that problem. Um then like I probably don't mind it as much or if they like if they do it a little bit where it's not like overwhelming then it's a little bit all right. But if it's too much and it's just like, ugh, why? Right, but I think, I mean, but I think in this, I think we need to focus in on the issue of that. You brought this up a little earlier that you, you go to entertainment not to be informed. You go to entertainment to kind of get away from, from it all. And while on the one hand, I definitely agree with you. I think that there should be entertainment that's purely for entertainment's sake. I think there is a room for entertainment that's quasi-informative in the sense that you can go and watch an informative show that you're not bored to tears watching because it's it's the host is entertaining and he says funny things and he keeps people engaged and it's also about culture, you know, like the uh, right side of the Compass podcast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, I think it's uh, – I and I could point to other – Informative sh- and entertainment. <laughs> right, so it's it's very important to to know that these information shows are not so boring because it's it's good when people are knowing things. It's good when people are in the loop, 
But at the same time, I think it's gotten to the point where you have a lot of these hacks doing it and they're pretending they're informative and they're not really informative. And so I think that's that's what bothers me more. And you're free to disagree. And I, I definitely agree with you that there should be a space for people who just want to be entertained. And it's definitely concerning to me that a lot of these traditional avenues of entertainment are just not that entertaining anymore, right? So if you go to the movies, the movies are garbage. The The television shows are too woke. Um, but if you, like, I don't know, the, but if you go to uh, certain podcasts, they're very informative. I don't think that's the issue in and of itself, you know? I mean, no, you're right. I mean, I don't mind if it's like, I don't, like I said, like, what is informative? Like, is it like, you know, how to, like, life lessons in terms of like, I don't know, um, money, for example? Um, like, for example, the new show that everyone's been talking about, uh, Squid Games, like, where it's like, would you give your life away for a lot of money? Like, that kind of like informative? Um, or is it like, you know, um, you know, like political issues that are happening in the world today. So, I mean, I would say that um, I am a little worried. So, is that agree? I think. I mean, I agree. Yeah, that would be agree. That there is a war. That would be agree. Yeah. So, so I agree that yeah, there that I do worry um, for the fusion of information and entertainment. But at the same time, it's like I don't worry because it also depends on the information. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess I, I, what I think the question is asking is more informative in terms of like, I mean, in terms of like, I guess, politics and like, you know, that kind of stuff. So I would say agree that I do worry about it. But I mean, look, it really depends on the information. Fair enough. All right. So listen, that's the end of this page. We got five more pages to go and then we can also discuss the results. Um, so in any case... This has been Luke. And I'm Rody. And this has been the Right Side of the Compass podcast special. We look forward to seeing you again the next five episodes of this special. And uh, have a good one.